friends, we welcome you to another episode of the Church is Changing podcast. I am Paul Nixon, and I'm here today with Margie McNear, who really has a, a, a quite interesting story to tell that culminated this last weekend in Amarillo, Texas. Margie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I've, I'm really glad to be here and appreciate you asking me. You bet. Now, you are a member of the North Texas Conference, your clergy there. Yes. Yes, I was ordained in 1987 as an elder and started there. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was a, a probationer, we said in those days, in the same room, same night. We, I, we just discovered that yeah. earlier this week. We both were at First Church Dallas that night. Significant right. moments in our, in our journey. You moved to Amarillo a few years ago. Right. Nine years ago, my husband and I moved to Amarillo from McKinney, Texas, and I was retired in 2002, and we lived in the Dallas-McKinney area for all that time, from 1968 up through then, and then we moved to Amarillo nine years ago. Well, Amarillo, Texas, has been through some changes, like every town, I guess, in the world, but in the last few months, there there were quite a few churches, in fact, all the United Methodist churches, decided to disaffiliate from the denomination, including, I, propose, I presume, the church that you were a part of. Yes, yes. They disaffiliated in Amarillo in two different phases, really. In the December 3rd special call conference, some of them, about three or four of them disaffiliated. And then at this annual conference, June 1st and 2nd, the rest of them uh, disaffiliated. So that left Amarillo the only large city in the United States, really, without a United Methodist Church. Well, that, that in itself is quite remarkable. Were you a member at one of those churches during that time? I was not actually a member. I'm still a member of the North Texas Conference. Sure. But when we moved here, we started going to Polk Street United Methodist Church, and my husband joined there. And we started in 2014 when we moved and then in 2017, the pastor, the senior pastor at that church at that time that I had known from the North Texas Conference asked me to come on board and to be the executive pastor at Polk Street United Methodist Church, which in itself was unusual because I was not a part of this conference. I was not appointed by anybody to do that, but I agreed to come on and I served from 2017 till just in March of 2022 as the executive pastor at Polk Street United Methodist Church. But you had had a role like that at Christ Church in Plano before that. Is that true? Or Yes, I had actually, my first appointment was at First United Methodist in Garland okay. in 1984, and I was there until 1990 as an associate pastor. And then in 1990, I moved to Christ United Methodist Church in Plano and I was there until I retired in 2002, and I started out as an associate, and then I began to move more and more into kind of the executive administrative role. Well, what was it like watching a church you'd worked with there for several years vote to disaffiliate? Was that kind of surreal? Was it surprising? What, what was that like? It was frustrating. It was sad. There were times I was a little bit angry. <laughs> Because the process as it started, the the senior pastor that was there had been there one year at that time, and he started the process of the education about what the issues were within the denomination. And as that rolled along, both the videos from both sides were shown, but the questions that were put out 
were were slanted to the GMC by the senior pastor. So the leadership began to lean more toward that, and I and I was observing that 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 was going to happen. So I I began to kind of be a little bit worried about selfishly for myself and my husband what would happen if if Polk Street decided to disaffiliate because then that would leave no United Methodist Churches in Amarillo. So at that point, I contacted a district superintendent in the Northwest Texas Conference to ask the question if the cabinet had any plans for helping to form or what would happen with people in Amarillo who had no place to go after that. And she assured me that they were thinking out plans. And so at that point, I just said to her that if when the time came, when it was appropriate, if that happened at Polk Street, then I would be glad to help in any way I could to help establish some a United Methodist presence in Amarillo. Now, I imagine that many people were disappointed in their church's decision to disaffiliate. In some cases, I'm going to guess that, that lifelong relationships in those places caused them to choose to just go ahead and stick with their congregation, whether they went GMC or independent or whatever they did. Is that, in fact, what happened with some folks? Yes. When the vote was taken that night, it actually was a 75% vote to disaffiliate and a 25% vote to stay United Methodist. So it was it was a little further spread than the other United Methodist churches had been in Amarillo. Most of them had been the 90 to 95 to 98 percent to disaffiliate. So and Polk Street is the oldest United Methodist church here in Amarillo. It has it's about 132 year old history congregation. And so people that were in that church, many of them have been for generations in that church. And there are there are a lot of people who are three-generation families and four-generation families in that church. There are people who are in their, it's an older congregation, basically. And there, so there are people that are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s that had been part of that church their, their entire life yeah. and in their Sunday school classes their entire life. And so when it happened, then an awareness happened between people at the church up until that time it had not ever been discussed. United Methodist Church Polk Street was just open. It was welcoming to everybody. And so that the denominational issues had not really been discussed till started in January of this year. So they they were hurt, some of them. They were crying, they were angry, they were and and it also made awkwardness happen between people then. For those that were wanting to stay UMC and those who were wanting to disaffiliate. And even though they had been lifelong friends and did not want those issues to separate them in their friendships, it ended up making it awkward to be around each other. And Sunday school classes were kind of split in half when the vote took place and people left. And it's made it awkward sometimes out in social situations. Sure, sure. Because... That just it it was just something they had not conceived of ever happening. And what you're describing is very similar to what has happened in you know hundreds of churches that had been through this process. After the disaffiliation, you began to take it upon yourself to to look around and to find folks. 
I guess you begin with the 25% who had voted against, but you begin to look for some folks that would be interested in forming a new United Methodist Church. What were you looking for? What? How did you get started on that journey? Well, after the vote that night, a few days later, I got in contact with Felicia Hopkins, who is a district superintendent in the Northwest Texas Conference. And there was a Zoom meeting going to be held with Bishop Nunn and Felicia Hopkins. And I was made a part of that Zoom meeting, along with a lot of other people within the conference. And they began to explain how the community groups were going to be formed, Wesley community groups and covenant groups in the various parts of the panhandle and in that conference to give people a, a place to go and be be together in community. And so as she explained that, in my mind, I was pretty determined in my mind that we would have a united Methodist church in Amarillo and not just a community group that met once a week for a Bible study or a social or whatever, that we would become a church. And so with her help, I planned a informational meeting along with another retired pastor in Amarillo, uh, Lane Boyd. We planned an informational meeting to be held on February 19th at the Craig, which is a senior independent living facility in Amarillo. And we just spread the word as best we could through Facebook, through word of mouth. And we did honestly did not know that evening how many people would show up. So we reserved a room at the Craig that held 50 people. And when before the meeting began, it ended up 85 people in that room. And we were astounded. And there were people there, not only from Amarillo, but from Canyon, from Pampa, from Dalhart, from other places here in the upper panhandle that were coming for information and also to see what might be going to happen in Amarillo. What would be some of the common characteristics of folks that warmed up to this idea of forming a new church? What would, I mean, obviously they were United Methodists, I guess, many of them, but right. what, what were some characteristics of these folks? Why them? Well, I think aside from all the emotional baggage that they were carrying at that point of, of going through grief, there was a determination that in Amarillo, there needed to be a United Methodist Church, not only just for ourselves, but for the community, and that Amarillo should not be a place that did not have the voice of the United Methodist Church speaking into it. And and so they were excitedly, sadly happy <laughs> that we were taking steps to try to make that happen. And my emphasis to them that night was because there were people from a variety of, of different churches in Amarillo and other places that we were going to be people who would go forward and come up out of the ashes of all this, that we would put new wine into new wineskins, biblically, and we were not going to put new wine back into old wineskins. We were not going to be a clone of any particular church that was in Amarillo or in, in the Panhandle that had been United Methodist. We were going to be something new. And that with that, we were going to journey together and again, biblically speaking, as Gamaliel said to the ones who were not wanting the way to be successful, that if it was from God, it would be successful. If it was not, it would be a failure. So they were people who believed, who began to believe something could happen 
that good could come out of chaos. Now, that meeting happened this year? Yes, February 19th. Yes, of this year, 2023. Okay. And then you had a first worship service just shortly after that. Almost the next Sunday, March 5th, we held our first worship service in a chapel at the Craig, and that chapel held 60 people, and we had 53 show up for the first worship service. And then we were we were there for four Sundays, and by the second Sunday, we realized we were going to outgrow that chapel very quickly, and it did not have facilities for us to have nursery or have Sunday school classes. And so about the second week, we received a phone call from a member of St. Luke Presbyterian Church, which is a USA Presbyterian Church, and they had heard about us, and, and they knew what had happened within the United Methodist Churches in Amarillo, and they too had been through that process not too many years ago in their denomination. And so they reached out to us and said, we would like for you to come and share our facilities at St. Luke Presbyterian Church because their congregation was small, but they had a large facility. And so Lane Boyd and myself went and met with the leadership of St. Luke And we met several times over a a week or so period. And then we came to agreement that we would move over to their facilities because their sanctuary held about 150 people. And we would have about four or five rooms available to us for offices and for Sunday school classes. And by that time, I had formed a leadership team of this group of about 16 people. And the leadership group went and we all looked at it and we, we negotiated a lease to start sharing. So Palm Sunday, April 2nd, was our first worship service at St. Luke Presbyterian Church. And then this last Sunday, which is a little earlier than this podcast is coming out, but this last Sunday would have been Mm -hmm. June the 5th. Yes. And what happened on June the 5th, two months into your time at St. Luke? We were chartered at the Amarillo United Methodist Church. So from February 19th, where we had 85 people come from all over the panhandle to the first worship service at the Craig with 53 people. We had Charter Sunday, and we chartered had 135 charter members. 135. That's a good start. Yes. yes. Beautiful. And they're all ages and stages. We have babies. We have teenagers. We have young adults. We have older people. We've utilized that. In fact, from the very first worship service, I asked one of the 20-year-old young ladies at the church who is a, doing a music major at West Texas A&M in Canyon to be our director of our hymns on Sunday morning. And then she and two other young people each Sunday take turns or together doing the anthem on Sunday morning. So it's the face of the youth up there helping to lead the worship service. And I preach most Sundays but I have also had help from other retired pastors in the Amarillo area that have also given me a relief every once in a while. What? I mean, just the surprise of 135 charter members, that's that's just, that's remarkable. And to come together that fast. Yes. But what is a, a surprise, a beautiful surprise on this journey that really began in kind of a sad place, but that's, there's a joyfulness. But what, how has God surprised you on this journey? Well, It seems like in this short journey, every step of the way, what we needed was provided. When we were at the Craig, the first Sunday of the worship, 
we had no one that could play the piano for us to sing our hymns. Now, we were going to sing, but it was not going to be maybe as as effective or joyful or on tune or on key or at the tempo. But before that worship service began, one of the residents at the Craig was walking down the hall and Lane Boyd knew that she played the piano and she was on her way to get the mail. <laughs> and he stopped her and said, would you play for our worship service here in the chapel? And that was like just a... 30 minutes before it was to begin. And she said, yes. And so there we had a, we had a piano player for our worship service before it ever began. And, and when we were beginning to know that we, we could not stay at the Craig because the numbers were going to grow, we had no idea where we would, where we would go. And to out of the blue have a member of the St. Luke Presbyterian church call us and invite us to be part of their facilities was just unbelievable to us. And so it's been, the more of that that's happened, the more we have gathered the enthusiasm, the camaraderie, the, the fellowship. It's part of, of the minute you walk in the door, you feel the atmosphere of excitement and joy that I don't think had we not had this opportunity to form this United Methodist Church, I don't think it would have ever been the same if we had stayed at the other church and it had not. And so in my eyes, in some ways, disaffiliation vote became a gift to us because we we are now more excited than we probably ever would have been had we stayed in the other place. And Amarillo has a new church in the mix with, with, with some other yes. beautiful churches. You've got a new church now. Right. And you're fired up and, right. and ready to... Yes. Tackle some ministry, yes. it sounds like. And we have, a, we have a full-time appointed pastor who will begin the 25th of June. And who would have thought when we started three months ago that we would have been able to have that. And Robert Burke, newly ordained pastor and a graduate of seminary, will come and be start his ministry at June 25th at Amarillo United Methodist Church. Well, Robert is a lucky guy to get to walk into this kingdom party uh, unfolding. I was at his commissioning service the other night Oh, okay. because I was mm-hmm. doing some work mm-hmm. in the conference. And so I was at First Church Lubbock and I looked down there and I said, that's it. He was the one person <laughs> that was being commissioned because, you know, so much just kind of collapsed with all this disaffiliation. And it, my exactly. first thought was, well, how sad. There's just that one that one lonely guy down there being commissioned. That's all we've got. And then when I discovered yeah. what he was being appointed to, and the fact that you've got arms of mission in Canyon and Dalhart and other places, and uh-huh. you know, yeah. um, I'm thinking, well, goodness, he's going to end up being associated with as much fruitfulness for the kingdom as if eight or nine people were on that pew with him down there. So <laughs> exactly. um, it's, exactly. it's kind of a neat story that we just had one lonely soul down there, but he's getting thrown into a really, really beautiful <laughs> um, place that's ready to, that's ready to engage the Holy Spirit and do ministry. Exactly. Uh, yes. Yes. And we are excited for him coming. I think he is just the kind of personality and person we need at the right time, in the right place. And isn't that isn't God amazing? <laughs> well, God is certainly amazing. Now, I, I did not get your permission to say this, but I'm just going to jump out there. You're 83 years old. Yes. And that's probably 
I don't know, 45 years older than Robert anyway, probably. <laughs> um, so but we're going to do a we're going to pass a baton to a different generation. You know, as I think about stories and there's some great stories of God's people rising up, planting churches over the years. I don't think I've heard much older than 83 being an instigator, but God <laughs> stirs in us. And, and when we, when God stirs in us, what do we do? I mean, we have to say, well, yes, Lord, here I am. <laughs> you know. Well, it's certainly not anything that was on my radar in my imagination or any plan when we moved to Amarillo in 2014 that I thought I would be an executive pastor at Polk Street United Methodist Church for one, and secondly, helping to start a brand new United Methodist Church. That was not in my my radar. Well, I, I work professionally helping churches to do planning, and let me just say, having done all that for decades, planning is overrated. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, yeah. I mean, life happens, and the and opportunities open, and you sometimes you just can't see them until they're just right there. Yeah, right. Yes. I mean, I, that's a question I may ask God when I see him. <laughs> what What were you thinking? <laughs> what What would you say to fellow octogenarians that love the Lord and see something that needs to be done? Well, I think I would say that if you're healthy, and if you have your mental capacity, abilities still, to not be afraid to say, here I am, Lord. And not to not to think of your retirement as totally having to give up things that you've loved doing in the past and to not think that you cannot be effective. Because I think we have years and years of wisdom. We have years and years of experience to offer. And, and when we can make a positive impact in the leadership of something, whatever you're a part of, the church, your community, that you're never too old if you, if you just say, here I am, Lord. And, and I think God seems to have given me the sufficient energy the day that I need it to be doing something. And I, and I've just, and I was just very determined that my husband and I would not be living in a town where there was a, not a United Methodist Church for us to belong to. What would you say to a 30-year-old who doesn't know quite what to think of the United Methodist Church? Maybe the only thing they know is they all, they all, all the churches left the denomination. Maybe they think about the fact that United Methodists are historically now they're becoming, or across the country, they're becoming an older group. They cling to habits and ways of doing things that don't often make sense for younger folks. Do you think there's a future for young adults at Amarillo United Methodist Church? Absolutely, there is. We're already using them. I think that people sometimes have certain expectations of what, whether you're young or old or middle-aged, or that you have certain expectations of what you think the church ought to be. And I would say, to people who have that, where they have been disappointed, do not fold under the weight of your expectations. Because it's often when we when we realize or when we see sometimes that, no, that somebody that's a part of that church disappoints you, or the institution disappoints you, or that your job disappoints you, or your friends disappoint you. And you have certain expectations that people and institutions have not risen to. Don't let 
those expectations that you have crush you to where you walk away because staying away does not change anything. And and it's never going to change the areas of life that need to be changed if you fold into that and just walk away. And so for me, the church has always been the best lifelong place to be to find my friends, to find learning opportunities, to make a difference and to make a change in things. And so to not, not just be a coward and walk away, (laughs) stand firm. Do not fold under the weight of your expectations. I love that line. And that's something that I will quote you. I will quote you on that. Okay. Okay. We just want to celebrate with you and with all of your 135 friends and with the next 135 that are just, will soon come around the corner. And we just pray for God's rich, rich blessing just to be poured out on Amarillo. Mm -hmm for healing in the city, because you've had some healing that still needs to happen in that town. Yes, yes, absolutely. I hope that we can see a day when your church is working alongside Polk Street and some others doing local missions and loving the people and glorifying God, even from different denominational bases. Well, thank you. And I think one of the things that is coming out of sharing the facilities with St. Luke Presbyterian is that we have done a few things together. We've had a worship service together one Sunday. We have our worship service from 9 to 10. They have theirs from 11 to 12. There's a fellowship Sunday school time between. We fellowship together with them in that time. And it, it just seems to me with as many people on earth and in this area and wherever you are, There are plenty of people to go around for everybody. And so we don't need to think that because that we can't be amicable, that we can't accomplish God's mission and bring God's kingdom here just because we attend a different church. And so I I agree. I hope that that things can be healed, that that it can be even stronger in the time to come. My own home congregation where I serve, we were invited. We were meeting in a funeral home and there was a Jewish synagogue in town that said that will not do. And they invited us in. 60 years later, we just had a 60th birthday. We still have a rabbi come and preach once a year Mm -hmm. because there was, they were so gracious. And that's such a part Mm -hmm. of our own heritage and, and, and journey. You know, we, Red Skelton, the old TV comedian, was a member of that church. That was kind yeah, of an interesting right. twist. Yeah, yeah. But okay. um, and his okay. daughter was part of the the MYF group, so I mean, it's, it was really interesting. But the but the point is, is that the, the relationship between you and, the, and St. Luke will be very precious, even years later when you yes. may not worship there. So that's going to be neat. Yes, another blessing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Another surprise. <laughs> Another surprise. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking time to share with us today. This yes. is a story that I believe will be interesting and inspiring in lots of, of places where there's been a lot of disaffiliation and people are wondering, what do we do? So you and Amarillo have said, well, one of the things you can do is to is to do this. Yes. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's lots of opportunities. I think the community groups are good that they're being formed. The covenant groups that are being formed are good, but there's nothing that takes the place of being in the sanctuary, in worship, at the church, in fellowship with fellow Christians. And so just don't ever give up. Just be determined. (laughs) No matter what your age and stage, be determined.
Amen. Friends, this is the Church is Changing podcast. I am Paul Nixon here with Margie McNeil, who at the age of 83 has planted a brand new church in Amarillo, Texas, and we rejoice with her. The Church is Changing podcast is a ministry of the United Methodist Church. Church is Changing podcast is a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Music is by Sanjay Singh. Visit all our podcasts at podcast.umcdiscipleship.org.